Thank you, Warren. God is good, isn't he? God is so good. This has been one of those crazy weeks with doctor's appointments and a, a dear friend of mine had emergency surgery Friday. Um, it's been one of those crazy weeks. But you know what? God is still on the throne. He is still in control. He is still God. And I'm going to share with you this morning here a little bit. I have written and rewritten and rewritten this sermon numerous times this week. God has been speaking to my heart about our faith and fighting the good fight of faith. Let's pray before we look at the word. Heavenly Father, you know us. You know exactly what we need this morning. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would come and speak to our hearts. Encourage us, strengthen our faith. You know the battles that each one is facing. And Lord, may there be something here this morning that would encourage their hearts and strengthen their faith. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Warren, for reading that scripture. I'm going to read another scripture that kind of ties in with this. This one is from 2 Timothy. The one Warren read was from 1 Timothy, but 2 Timothy, these are some of Paul's, the Apostle Paul's final words. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. These are some of Paul's final words to his son in the faith, Timothy. And just for the fun of it this morning, I went on, on my phone and Googled famous last words. And I'm going to tell you something, most of them I could not repeat from the pulpit. <laughs> they were not nice words. But let me share a couple that, from my contacts, that I remember very clearly. On his deathbed, my uncle Emerson looked at his wife and said, Don't worry, Hazel. I see Jesus. Wow. Powerful words, aren't they? Powerful testimony. Don't worry, Hazel. I see Jesus. Then when I attended college in Allentown, Pennsylvania, I attended a little tiny country church, Zion Wesleyan Church at Point Phillip, Pennsylvania. It's not even on the map. Don't even look for it. It's not on the map. It's like a dot. And I think about all there was in that place was the church on a little hill. In fact, the church has changed names, and I'm not even sure if it's still a Wesleyan church or not. But there was a wonderful couple in that church, Wilson and Ruth Miller, and you probably have heard Pastor Paul Detmer talk about them because he knew them as well. But they had a granddaughter, about 13 years old, who developed cancer in her jawbone. They did major surgery, and that did not stop it. The cancer just went rampant. But on her deathbed, she said to her family, I see the pearly gates, I see the stairs, and I see Jesus going up and down the stairs. 
She knew at that young, tender age, she knew that she was going to be going to heaven, that she would see Jesus. Both of these give us tremendous encouragement, don't they? They give us tremendous encouragement and tremendous hope. We're going to consider this morning some words from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote both 1 and 2 Timothy to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy. The first letter was written to give encouragement and instruction to young Timothy as he had been given leadership of the church in Ephesus. And it is composed with the idea of teaching and helping, not just Timothy as he pastored that church, but it was written to help that young church to be able to develop in a way that it would become a strong and healthy church. And Paul gave instructions to help provide leadership in those difficult days. Paul probably wrote that letter just prior to his final Roman imprisonment. Because he had appealed to Caesar, Paul was sent as a prisoner to Rome. He was released at one point and was allowed freedom to move about and to do some more traveling, but then he was imprisoned again. But it was during that first imprisonment, right around that time, shortly thereafter, that he wrote 1 Timothy and Titus. Soon he was back in prison, and that was where he wrote the second letter to Timothy. And these were some of his final words. And I'm going to be honest with you, the portion of scripture that I just read, yes, they were Paul's testimony, but I know myself and other pastors have used these words at funerals for some of the saints in the church. I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I've I've finished the race. I have done what God called me to do. And it was interesting, a few weeks ago, I read through First and Second Timothy, and I read through the book of Titus, Paul's letters to these young leaders of young churches. And I knew that passage from Second Timothy. But it wasn't until I read back through First Timothy that I found the passage that Warren read. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot, or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Paul, when he came to the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. But here he is challenging Timothy in the midst of very difficult times and as he was taking over as a leader of a church, challenging him, 
Timothy, I'm telling you, you fight the good fight. You fight that good fight. Flee those things that you need to flee. Turn your back against those things that would trip you up, that would cause you to be tempted, that would cause you to go astray. Flee these things, but pursue, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Pursue these things. But Timothy, keep fighting that good fight. Wow, powerful words, powerful words. And giving instructions to young Timothy regarding the church he had been entrusted to oversee and pastor, Paul gave him some personal instructions as well as a personal challenge. Fight that good fight. And today I'm going to share several passages of scripture with you that Paul shared in that second letter of Timothy and some challenges there. We, as believers in Jesus Christ, need to and can have a confident faith in a great and mighty God. And I know I've said this before, and I don't know why the Lord keeps encouraging me to preach passages of Scripture that deal with our faith. But the thing isn't how great our faith is. It's how great our God is. We are serving a great and wonderful and mighty God. And even the weakest of faith, even faith as tiny as a mustard seed, is powerful in the hands of a great and mighty and powerful God. We need to have confident faith in our God. Know upon whom your faith is anchored. Know upon whom you have put your trust. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, that is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Some of you have probably sung that old hymn in the church, I know whom I have believed. Paul had confidence that no matter what he faced, even knowing he was facing ultimate death, he had confidence in the God he served. I know, I know whom I have believed. And I am fully persuaded, fully convinced that he is able to take care of me, that he's able to keep that which I have entrusted to him. He knew that he was in God's hands. Paul was facing death. He was not dying in a, of a disease in a sterile hospital but he was in a prison, probably with very few visitors and his writing instruments. But he knew, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was in God's hands and under his care. Paul had already faced great trials and great persecution as he served the Lord. He'd been beaten, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been persecuted but he knew who had taken care of him in the past, and he knew that God would continue to take care of him. Isn't that wonderful? When I first became a Christian, many, many years ago, the first thing I did was got a journal and started keeping track in that journal. The Lord speaking to me through various scriptures and the different ways the Lord had answered my prayer. And when I would get discouraged or depressed, 
I would go back and look through that and read through that, and it's like, the Lord helped me that day. The Lord helped me with a car problem. The Lord helped me here. The Lord helped me. You know what? That boosted my faith and encouraged my heart. And Paul, I'm sure as he looked back, he was encouraged thinking about the ways that God had helped him in the past. And that gave him the courage to face his ultimate death at the hand of the Roman Nero. You know, when your faith or confidence in God is in God, even when your faith is challenged, you can have the courage to stand strong because you know, you know God. You know the Lord Jesus Christ. You know he will take care of you. And we do face trials. We face struggles. And I know some of you are facing trials and you're facing struggles right now. But who's on your side? Who's on your side? God, who has always been by your side. There's a verse of scripture from Isaiah, the second part of Isaiah 7, 9. It says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. There are times we just have to step out in faith. We just have to step out in faith. We just have to choose to keep believing. We have to choose to keep trusting. We have to choose faith. When I was able to do Bible study at the Vilas home, there were a number of occasions when the Bible study folks and others there at the Vilas home invited the ladies from a Bible study I led at a local church. We joined together for lunch for a tea party. And there was one lady who came to a tea party the one day. Her name was Mary. Some of the ladies from my Bible study at church knew her because they'd worked with her teaching school. Mary came to the Bible study, but she vowed she, she came to the tea party, but she vowed she would never come to Bible study. The following week after the Bible study, she met me at the door. She was so excited to see me, but she wouldn't come to Bible study. A couple weeks later, she wandered into Bible study. The Bible study met in a sunroom right next to the room she lived in. And she snuck in and said hi. Gradually, she started coming to Bible study. Let me tell you, when I first met Mary, she was very proudly displayed a Buddha doll in her room. That was her God. But eventually, as she came to the tea parties, as she came to Bible study, she finally gave her heart to the Lord. And I had the privilege of baptizing her right there at the Vilas home. But Mary struggled with doubt. She struggled with serious doubt. And one day I came across a rubber stamp in Hobby Lobby that said, let your faith be bigger than your fear. And I made her a little card with that reminder, let your faith be bigger than your fear. You've put your faith in God. Keep trusting him. And finally, I said to her one day, I said, Mary, what's your last name? I knew it. It was Godwin. And I said to her, Mary, when you put your faith in God, God wins. Remember that. When you start struggling with your doubts, think about your last name. And remember, God wins. Friends, we all go through trials, don't we? 
we all go through struggles. We all go through times of doubt and times of questioning. But like Mary, like the Apostle Paul, we can put our faith completely, confidently in Almighty God. Let's move on. We also have to put our faith, our confident faith, in God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, convicting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul wrote to Timothy and he told them, they had problems back in that day with false teachers, with people who were worming their way into the churches and trying to lead people astray. And Paul reminded him, remember who taught you. Remember those who gave you that foundation of the word of God. They were true, they were faithful. But not only that, God's word is totally faithful, totally dependable. You can lean on that. Let me ask you a question today. Do we have false teachers and fakes and frauds today? Yes, we do. I could tell you some horror stories. I could tell you some horror stories that we, I have encountered that we have encountered. We have prayed one family member and one part of our family out of cult after cult after cult. In fact, one night, Rudy got a call from one of the family members and made a midnight rescue out of an area cult. There are people out there who do teach false things. There are fakes, there are frauds out there. I had, was filling the pulpit one time when our pastor was on vacation and we had a couple of people who had, had wandered in one night to a youth group thinking it was a concert. They came back for the concert. They started attending the church. And the lead pastor went on vacation and I just happened to, happened to stop by another area church and I was hauled into the office by three pastors not just one pastor, not just two, but three, and said, those people are fakes, they're frauds, they do not belong in the church. How can we know? This is our standard, isn't it? This is our standard. If what people are teaching, if what people are writing, if people, if, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not right. It's not right. We need to be on our guard. The best thing is to stay in the word of God, but also be a part of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching church. There's a safeguard there, isn't there? There is a safeguard. Years ago, I was writing a Lenten devotional, and I came across an article that said, how can you determine counterfeits? And they were talking about counterfeit money, and they said, the author said, the most important thing isn't to study the counterfeits. It's to study the real thing. 
so that when the counterfeit comes along, you can immediately tell the difference. And that's true in the Christian realm too, isn't it? If you are a student of God's word, studying God's word, reading God's word, meditating on it, you have what it takes to be able to recognize what is fake. Be a student of the word. But we also as believers have the ability to have a confident faith in heaven and the eternal. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul knew that he could endure whatever came against him in this life because his confidence wasn't just in a God who took care of him in this life. His confidence was in a God who would reward him with the hope of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? He knew, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had made a place for him in heaven, that he would receive the crown of righteousness that would be rewarded to the faithful. And that hope kept him steadfast, kept him going forward, kept him focused. His eye was on the goal, wasn't it? When you're running a race and you start looking around, Oh, Joe's back there, or, well, look, look at Sally, she never made it. What happens? We lose our focus, and we stumble, and we fall. The same can happen in the Christian walk. We need to keep our eye on the goal, don't we? We need to keep our focus on the goal. We need to keep going forward. A dear friend of mine named Margaret she and her husband had served as majors in the Salvation Army for many, many years. Then she came to the Wesleyan Church and worked with kids. She was so good with the children. One day she got that diagnosis of cancer, ended up in the hospital. You know what Margaret did? Every doctor, every nurse, everybody that came in, she had to tell about Jesus. She said, I don't care whether I live or die. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. But she saw that last few days of her life as an opportunity to share with one more person the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Christian Supply Center has what they call pass it on cards that have little scriptures on her Christian sayings. And she insisted I keep her supplied with those. She was handing those out right and left as she was on her deathbed. But her confidence her confidence was in heaven. That was the Apostle Paul, wasn't it? That was the Apostle Paul. He knew he was going to die as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was willing to die, but he knew it was not in vain. His hope, his focus, his goal was heaven, and he knew that he would be rewarded. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward.
So what can we learn from some of Paul's final words? How can we fight that great, great fight of the faith? Number one, maintain a confident faith in our great and mighty God. Anchor your faith in him. Build your faith on the true and powerful word of God. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in his word. But keep your focus on the heavenly goal. Keep your focus on the heavenly goal. We will all face trials and temptations and difficulties in this life, won't we? We do. But you know what? God is faithful. And he will take care of us. I know some are struggling with physical issues. I know some are struggling with other issues. I know my husband's facing double hip replacements. Some of you are facing your own issues. But you know what? God is faithful. God is faithful. He has never let us down. He will never let us down. We can bank on that. We can bank on that. I don't know exactly what you needed this morning. Only God knows. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep anchored. Keep anchored to him. And keep your eye on the goal. Let's pray. And as the worship team leads us in our final song, if anybody wants prayer or needs prayer, feel free to come up and reach out to me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for what you teach us. You know our hearts this morning. You know our struggles. You know our doubts. You know the things that we're dealing with. You know what each one needs this morning. In these closing moments, come and meet our hearts, needs. If we need to make a fresh commitment to you, help us to do that. If we need to make a commitment to get firmly into your word, help us to do that. If we need to refocus on the goal, Lord, remind us that Jesus Christ died on that cross so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be with you forever. Be with us in these closing moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, worship team. The cross meant to kill is my victory. We can have victory. We can have victory through Jesus Christ, can't we? He died on that cross, not for anything he had done, but to provide for the forgiveness of our sins, to give us not just the hope of eternal life, but to give us eternal life and his presence forever and ever. Now that's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this song. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus' death on the cross, for the victory that he won for us, for the hope that he has given us, but for the gift he's given us of courage to face whatever we need to face, we thank you for the power of your word, but we also thank you for that gift of eternal life in your presence forevermore. As we go forth from here today, help us to go forth rejoicing 
and you're great and wonderful and powerful. Work in our hearts and in our lives. And as we go forth from here, help us to go forth to be your light in this dark world. Help us to go forth, to shine forth the light and the love of Christ. Make us a blessing to those that we come in contact with this week. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.